Hey everybody, it's Stefan here from a Comedy Advice Podcast. Just coming at you with a little intro love. Uh, uh, no, not that kind of love. Just a little get to know you before you get into the episode. We've got a very special guest, Matt Micheletti. He's a local AZ comedian and one of the founders of Hot Phoenix Nights. That's Nights with a K. And you can learn all about this sketch comedy group and Matt during this episode. It's awesome. If you want to support him, the links are in the show notes there to be able to see the videos or follow him on his journey as a comedian. So he was awesome. I I really appreciate him coming on. Loads of laughs. We had a good time. So you will too. I'm sure of it. Guaranteed. Or your money back. Oh, wait, you're not paying any money because this is free. So what can you do to be able to pay forward a little bit? You can leave a review wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you can't, but you can share it if you guys want to share it with all your friends, your grandma, your grandpa, your aunts, uncles, everybody. This is an all audience. (laughs) This is not an all audience. Please don't share this with children. All right. And then if you want to support, if you do want to pay and then be able to get your money back, you can go to Patreon. The link's in the show notes and you can get bonus episodes, early releases, ad-free content all over there on Patreon for as little as $2 a month. For five, you can get bonus content. For 10, I will go to your house and give you a hand job. Any job that requires hands, I will do. If it's fixing a pipe, if it is going and cleaning out your attic, if it's picking lemons, I will do any of those hand jobs for you. So I'm here for you. All right, guys, that's it. I'm going to stop talking and then I'm going to have the intro and then I'll start talking again. A comedy advice podcast. An advice podcast for death and, and friends. To make exaggerated statements not meant to be taken literally. What was that, Seven? A uh, comedy advice podcast. Hello. Yeah, I've heard this. Go ahead. <laughs> Are you fucking done? Are you done? We yep. practiced this. Yeah, I'm fucking done. We rehearsed All right, this. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. And All right, welcome- okay. All right, go ahead. God damn it. <laughs> welcome to a comedy advice podcast. My name is Stefan Satani, and I'm your host this evening. I'm also welcoming our special hosts, Eric Hughes. Say hello, Eric. Hey, how's it going? Hello. And then we also have a very special guest. We definitely don't have another co-host named Cam Sneed. <laughs> Fuck him. Hey, Cam. How's it going? Yep, not me. Hey, guys. All right, I'm out. That's all you had to say for that part? <laughs> I gave you free reign and you're able to talk? Great. All right. Thank you, Cam, for joining. We also have a, a wonderful special guest, local comedian from the Phoenix area, Matt Micheletti. Yay. Ooh, hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Dude, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you. I have talked to you on, or I, I, we're Facebook friends, and I think we get into entanglements, not in the way that Jada Pinkett Smith uses it, but online where we'll, we'll interact with each other. But this is the first time that I, I'm actually seeing you in your flesh. Our flesh is, we're not seeing each other in the flesh because our flesh isn't touching, but I'm seeing you live. So this is amazing. How are you? I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm just thinking to myself how awkward it's going to be when we actually meet each other in person now. Like we've gone from just Facebook friends. Like I don't know who you are. I just know you from your Facebook photo. And now I see you in real person. <laughs> and I'm like, is that like a, a, like a weird version of Michael Palladino? Because you look <laughs> very similar to Michael Palladino. I got on here. I was like, am I being punked right now by Michael Palladino? I got you. You got me. You got me. This is the Michael Palladino podcast, everybody with Michael oh, Palladino. God. Good to see you, Mike. Yeah, I'm just joking. You know, no, I, he's a good guy. I'm just messing with him. I, I, I actually have a list of all of the white guys that people say that I look like. It's a ro- <laughs> it's a long list. That's got to be a long list. Yeah. How yeah. long is the list of black guys that people say you look like? <laughs> That's actually quite long too. So it's uh, well, no, I, impressive. Uh, I yeah, I I used to get it when I lived in New York. People would stop me in the street and be like, "Yo, Tom, Tom from Seton Prep," and I'd be like, "No, I'm not. My name's Stefan." And they're like. No, you're Tom from Seaton Prep. And I'm like, okay. So I played along. We hung out a couple times. It was fine. But anyway, wanted to talk about you. You're a local comedian. You've been doing comedy for seven plus years. Yeah. How yeah. did you how did you get into it? Um, well, at the time, uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, uh just moved out here from Santa Barbara and um we had exhausted the list of cool shit to do in town in about a week. And we were like, what is this first Friday? We should go to first Friday. So 
being the white people that we were, we printed out like the 10 page booklet PDF online from first Friday <laughs> and highlighted things that we wanted to go to like tourists from Mesa. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and we went down to first Friday and it was a lot of fun. We checked out all the art and it was like 11 o'clock and then there was only one thing left going. And it was uh, first Friday night live, which is a sketch comedy show. Um, at the now defunct and uh, bulldozed Firehouse Gallery on First Street downtown. Um, but we went down, we checked out the show. A uh, guy approached me, or not approached me, but it was like handing out, you know, hand leaflets to everybody walking out. Like, we want you on the cast, you know, join us next season. So okay. I, I went and auditioned the next season, got in the sketch comedy troupe with them. I performed for uh, five years with them on cast and as a uh, lead anchor for their fake news, you know, comedy news. I did that for four or five years. And um, probably my second year of doing sketch, I started doing um, like fake slam poetry at poetry slams. Like I would go and just <laughs> fuck up the flow. Like I would just intentionally do bad <laughs> slam poetry to make fun of them. <laughs> and eventually my, I some love of my friends were yeah, some of my friends were like, dude, you should just do an open mic and do comedy. I was like, all right, that sounds cool. And like, yeah, it's about 2012, 2013 when I first started doing stand up down uh, on Roosevelt Row. Oh, that's awesome. That's really how was the reaction when you did your bad slam poetry from the crowd? Oh, they hated me. Oh, they so absolutely hated me because like they're so like they're <laughs> their their egos are so high, but they all sound the same. They have the same like speech method and everything. All their poems sound the same. <laughs> poets it, poets are so serious all the yes. time. They take everything serious. So yeah. when they invest in something you're saying, and they're like, "Wait, this guy's just fucking with us." They probably. <laughs> I, I would have loved to see that. That sounds hilarious. I've always thought about doing that. Do you have video of that? No, definitely oh. not. This was back in my flip phone still days. So. Uh, oh, damn. Have you ever thought about going back and doing a fresh round of slam poetry? Uh, no, but there used to be a show in town called Poetry Slim that was ran by uh, Steve Merrick. Um, God, I'm spacing right now, uh, the other gentleman. But he, uh, he, the other guy moved away to Kansas City. Uh, anyways... Um, and you uh, would write like five to seven minutes of comedy poetry. And it was a great comedy show. Poetry. Yeah. So like the people would do like poems about, you know, the Ebola virus or like getting AIDS and things like that. So just that sounds awesome. weird shit. Yeah, it was a great show. Great that's, show. That's awesome. And that also is interesting to me because it seems like you went up. And when you, a lot of people that we hear that get into stand-up comedy, they go up at the open mics, they're terrified because they think they won't get laughter. And so you obviously went in, I think you went into these slam poetry meetings or whatever they're called shindigs and you did your fake slam poetry and you weren't expecting laughter at all. You were just thriving on the looks of repulsion from the, the crowd. So <laughs> What was yeah. it? What what were you expecting when you got into stand up? And were you? It, it seems like you were not. You would not be as intimidated to not get laughter when you first started. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think first off, when you start doing comedy, there's two people. There's two types of people, um, and it really boils down to public speaking. Either you're afraid to be in front of people talking on an, on stage with a microphone in your hand, or you're not. And it's really easy to see that in open mics, like the people that take a year or two to get comfortable, like taking the mic out of the stand, putting it behind them, not touching the stand or leaning on it, you know, just being <laughs> themselves. Yeah. I've like, I've never had a problem being on, on stage or talking even back in high school doing like uh, debate class and things like that. Like I was just very comfortable. Um, and, and, and in regards to like getting into it, like I, if you go back on my Facebook, which I don't recommend that you do, because it's just <laughs> horrible stuff from, you know, 10, 12 years ago. But like, uh, <laughs> I did, I mean, just like people do now, a lot of shit posting that, you know, people laugh at, you know, on Facebook, it was always that kind of thing. And message boards back in the day, like getting on there and posting, you know, and getting into, you know, ro you know roast wars with each other. Yeah. Um, so I, I built like my foundation for my comedic chops online and I just really just took it to the stage and tried to do it in an honest way. So the audience wouldn't, you know, connect with me. Um, I mean, it's been a long time that I've been doing comedy seven years 
Um, and I'm still basically an open micer. So like, you know, I'm not getting paid to do comedy anywhere. So it's a long journey and you just, the thing for me is just having fun with it. You got to have fun with it. That's awesome. And that's what it sounds like from going up to slam poetry fests, (laughs) whatever the fuck it is, doing the sketch comedy. And you also, I think are a big part of hot Phoenix nights which I thought originally yeah. was like a Chip and Dale's type of thing, male strippers, but it ends up being a collection <laughs> yeah. of comics that are doing sketch mm-hmm. comedy, which I've seen all of the videos so far. Sad Batman. I'll have these links in the show notes. Um, awesome. What was it? Dustin Cade with <laughs> with his hair and making his hair stronger. And um, what was the last one I just saw? I think it was a Oh, Jamie and Jamie yes 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 so yeah that's a that's a good one we've got a couple of really funny sketches coming out in the next couple of weeks um we've got like a conspiracy theories video we've got a like a fake um like call-in contest kind of a sketch (laughs) we've got some really cool creative stuff coming out in the next few weeks or so that's awesome and that's one of my biggest regrets in life too was i saw when you posted about auditions tryouts whatever it was and i i contacted somebody i filled out a form and then three four weeks later i'm looking on facebook and then there's messenger with the primary messages and then there's the messages with the hidden messages the treasure trove of people sending scam messages and i saw yours and it was a group message and you were like here's the place to meet for doing this and it was three weeks ago and i was like fuck so I, I obviously didn't make the cut, but um, I think what you guys are doing is awesome. Like all local comedians. And I just wanted to ask what spurred the, the creation or the, the idea of making these types of sketch comedy. Was it you? Was it you and Brian Keerley or a collective? Um, this is the, yeah, this is the second like iteration of Hot Phoenix Nights. Originally, it was me and Michael Paul Cohn. Um, and he was already doing um, his shows at uh, the Valley Bar where he's it's essentially like a 90 minute sketch show um, where he plays a fake priest, you know, for a, a preacher. And uh, he was he was winding down with that. His uh, co-talent on that show moved to the East Coast. So he was kind of floating in the in the water. There with nothing to do. And I was like, hey, how about we do a medieval themed uh, sketch comedy show, a one-off. We write like eight eight sketches. It's all medieval themed. We call it Hot Phoenix <laughs> Nights, and we did that. Our first season, or so to say, we we wrote, um, produced, and performed. Uh, I think it was nine original sketches in a seventy-five minute show in three months total. Like wow. we approached Valley Bar, and they were like, "Yeah, we've got a date in three months." We were like, "Cool, we'll take it." And that was absolute insanity like trying to do that just hustling Um, huh damn oh yeah like twice a week meetings people showing up drunk you know just having to deal with shit like that um it was fun but we we i think we sold 80 percent of the room in the basement there at valley bar which was huge it was a lot of people there um and the second the second season we uh we just did topical stuff we didn't focus on one genre or anything um kind of made it more contemporary um Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much how it's been from there after the second season he left to go be a part of pizza party and Mm. it kind of just it kind of died for about a year and that's when i approached brian and everybody uh hillary over at um broken drift about teaming up and doing video because i don't want to do a live show sketch i don't think for a while (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, exactly and i was gonna ask too what's it been like i've seen for example, with Sad Batman, it looked like they were in different locations, <laughs> obviously doing a FaceTime between the Penguin and Batman. But how has it been and how creative have you guys had to get with placement of people in different locations? Um, that's definitely been a setback. It was probably three months after starting the writer's rooms that we actually had our first video. And like videos at first were slow to come out because it's hard to, you know, you can't film with everybody in the same room, obviously. <laughs> So we've been passing yeah. around a couple of cameras and people have to coordinate those drop-offs and, you know, the, the tech is definitely a hindrance at this point because of um, everybody trying to stay at home as much as possible. But um, I, I would imagine as soon as there's a treatment or a vaccine, um, 
the video quality will get a lot better just because <laughs> we'll be able to film uh off of you know skype and zoom and that kind of stuff so it's it's been a challenge but we've been able to get it done um we've had four videos go out I, that one with dustin man blew up we had like six thousand views in 10 days on that on that video and for nice. oh shit a group of people that nobody knows who we are we're not influencers or sketch comedy pros like that was that felt really good to get that you know yeah that that was awesome that was a really cool video too and i i wanted to ask you because i think i saw on facebook you said you had set a certain goal for Mm -hmm. each video and it seems like the dustin video surpassed the views i think it was like 500 views per video or something like that and that one got six thousand. how have the other videos been doing and what's been the the reception amongst the public um well we went and looked at um all of the the background stuff they track all that on facebook for you and um we're we're doing really well with men between 18 and 35 um not so much with the ladies um we had a couple other women on cast at the beginning we had four women and six men uh on the cast two dropped out um and we haven't really had the time to to audition and recast just because you can't really do that over you know video conferencing but um we're really trying to to have the people of color on cast and the women on cast try and uh be more proactive uh with us in the writer's room in terms of getting content out because i mean if we just put out videos of the white dudes i mean it's going to be every college sketch group on the planet so (laughs) um so yeah we're really pushing for uh we're not pushing for diversity but we want it to be the videos to be inclusive um to the point where we don't have to explain to anybody why we're doing it this way like it just it just comes across as an honest um performance from us so just trying to to, the writers rooms are very honest um uh, nobody gets mad but people are able to be honest uh with each other like no that that joke doesn't work like at all so Mm -hmm. don't (laughs) that's awesome so it's a lot of fun i love doing sketch comedy and it's been a long time so it's it's happy to get back that's cool it seems like you're pat that's so you you you're you started doing sketch comedy right yeah 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 and then you were doing that for a while and then so how does it feel now where like you're kind of forced, like everything lives on the internet, you know? And like you said, that's kind of where you started. Like, it's almost like you're kind of being forced back into that. Do you feel like it's kind of a natural fit for you or do you miss doing live comedy a lot of the time? Like, how do you feel about all of it? I Man, I miss live comedy a lot. Um, I, I miss seeing my friends mostly that did comedy. Yeah. Um, do I miss all Phoenix comedians? No. But uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I definitely miss, you know, running Hot Mike. That that was a lot of fun running that show. And I don't, I don't yeah. know if that's going to come back. I don't know what's going to happen with Crescent Ballroom. I, mean, they haven't I hope it does. For, yeah. You know, that was that was that was a fun mic to produce. You know, when you've got 150 people crammed into Crescent Ballroom's lobby to watch <laughs> yeah. terrible open mic comedy, you're doing something <laughs> good. Yeah, something special, so, huh? Yeah. yeah, that's cool though, and and it's cool that you've. I feel like you've been a pretty prominent member of the Phoenix comedy community where you're running mics. And I wanted to ask a little bit about how you started doing that and what it's been like, because you're responsible, you're in a sense responsible for other comedians and uh, managing the relationship with uh, location to make sure things run smoothly. Um, They're trying to run a business too. So what has been your experience with, with open mics? Um, well, first, I feel like I've kind of been forced into a position where I'm now like an elder in Phoenix comedy, <laughs> like most yeah. of the people that were better than me already moved away and are, you know, doing their own things in other cities. So I think it's by that virtue alone that I'm even considered something like that. There's so many really fantastic comics in the city that don't get the attention that they deserve. But I, I like I said, I think I'm, I, I, more got forced into this position than I chose to be in it. I mean, I, people do look up to me because I've been doing it for so long and I, I'm, I haven't put my hands on anybody or, you know, violated anybody's personal <laughs> space or, you know, used racial slurs yeah. on stage. I, you know, I've, good... I've, I've been a pretty vanilla stand-up comedian in terms of my behavior when you look at comedians. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a good time to not be a creep, huh? Yeah, yeah, it, 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 just a normal dude. Just a normal <laughs> yeah, just a guy. 
<laughs> you know, but uh, I, I, I got started doing open mic, like doing my own thing. I, I started my own show in 2013 and it ran until I want to say 2017 uh, at the firehouse downtown called uh, Comedy on Fire. Uh, I booked entirely way too many people. It was like 25, 30 people doing eight minute sets. So we would start at like eight o'clock and be done at midnight. Wow. And it was a BYOB, uh, B- BYO drugs. I mean, it was an art, it was the backyard of an art house with living spaces inside of it. So it was like the crusty <laughs> punk rock artist, you know, vegan hippie kids and all the creative types <laughs> went there to hang out. Like, and that's where I started my show. Um, like I said, I ran for just shy of four years or just over four years. Um, and man, that was a great show. We had a lot of people come out and do that show. We've had like Brent Tobler out there, did the show there, nice. Ty Rivera from Vegas, Bobby Stouts from Vegas, a um, bunch of people from LA, Carmen Lagala from uh, New York City. She was just on Colbert last year. Like, and seeing, like, thinking about seeing them almost four years ago and where they're at now, it's kind of cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. And and being an elder too, I think where I first started to get to know people in the Phoenix community was Arizona Comedians, the Facebook group. And I think that you and Brian Keerley and someone else are all moderators of that. Was that also something that was bestowed upon you or did you uh, found yeah, it? I, I, yeah, because I, okay, so... I think Cam <laughs> has been in that group for a while, as long, as long as, yeah. you know, as I've been and every post for like the first four months was, well, are there any mics going tonight? Are there any, <laughs> what mics are going tonight? <laughs> yeah. Like 500 posts with the same question. Yeah. And like every other comedy scene has like a document that somebody <laughs> keeps a living document, like this Google document I'm looking at of yours that like gets constantly edited and updated um, with shows on it. And I, was, I, I would message Brian just as a member of the comedy page. I was like, can we make a document to track these shows instead of having the same post every week? Over and he was over. like, yeah, I'll make you an admin so you can do that. And I never did it. And I'm still an admin. So that's how I got that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, does Trevor Skies have some sort of website where I think I've yeah, seen that where he, it's pretty updated. I, yeah, he he's done. I don't think he's tracking Skype shows on it. Um, uh, I, I don't. The, I know another one in town was Genevieve Rice's uh, Bird City Comedy Festival webpage had a running list of shows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with coronavirus, I don't think anybody's worried about what mics are running on Thursday right now because there are none. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's all up in the air. Oh, yeah. Man. But it it was, uh, I've been in that group probably for over a year, almost two years, but it's an interesting group, very helpful, a uh, little dramatic at times, but, um, it, it's a great group. I think it's really helpful. So, and I think it's managed well. So I think you guys do a good job moderating and, <laughs> and, uh, kind of stopping some bullshit once it starts. So. Yeah, we don't have to remove much. I think everybody kind of polices their own. I think we've only removed one post in the entire history of that page so like that broke the rules i mean that we've removed people's videos that just didn't belong there you know right like, right one thing that was just like yeah you can't you can't post this here dude yeah what was you it? know it was bad because it was like it's a group full of comedians you know who are very very lenient people naturally so imagine <laughs> if they kick that if they cut that guy off Dude, I went. I, I, I'm not going to like give this person any more attention than they already have. But like, I literally, I, I checked Facebook. I got in my pool for like a half an hour. I got out of the pool and I came back and there's like 47 notifications on one post Shit. in Arizona comedians. I'm like, oh, this can't be good. So I log in there and I read through all of it. And I'm just like trying to be, uh, I don't know, trying to be smart about like, do we take this down? Cause like one of the rules and like in the group is we don't delete anything, but I was like, this person's naming people and like specific things, like targeting people and harassing oh, them. And shit. I was just, it was like midnight and I was just, I was drunk and I was just like, you know what? Fuck this block. Yeah, <laughs> man. I just, it, especially right now with everything that people are going through, like taking out your personal vendettas in a small group of comedians on Facebook is fucking stupid. Yeah. I think bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Attack those real big comedians. I like that. Yeah, yeah. go big or go home. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. 
Well, great chat, Matt. This is really cool. Is there anything else before we get into the self-help portion that you'd like to talk about or tell the world or tell males 18 through 35? Um, For anyone that's not a male 18 to 35, please come and check out Hot Phoenix Nights. It's with a K-N-I-G-H-T-S, like uh, Medieval Times uh, on Facebook uh, and uh, Instagram um we've got a lot of great sketches coming out um phoenix comics was really putting their nose to the stone and getting that stuff out there man i'm really proud of our whole cast and crew yeah it's really great stuff i'm proud that our phoenix community is producing some stuff like that so it's made me chuckle made me chortle i also i particularly like the latest one with the was like typical white couple i forgot the name of the sketch oh jamie and jamay yeah jamie and jamay and and the, <laughs> the stepson stefan so um i don't know if dustin did that intentionally or not but either way awesome well thank you matt we're gonna get into the self-help portion and we like to start off with a quote an inspirational okay. quote so before we get into ours we usually like to ask our guests if they have any inspirational quotes that help get them through their dark days so um yeah actually i do um i'm not a big i'm looking for it because i'm a big pothead and i don't remember anything <laughs> um but yeah i bought i, I joined uh, an organization called veterans for peace about five years ago um i'm an air force veteran i was a meteor a meteorolo- meteorologist in the air force um sure. and um the t-shirt that they sent me back then had this martin luther king quote on the back um hate cannot drive out hate only love can do that um and I, that's one of my favorite quotes of all time um i grew up in a biblical household didn't go to church you know raised catholic with no church but 100 percent of the guilt so i try to avoid <laughs> the bible at all costs <laughs> Yeah, I I was raised Catholic and with the church and the guilt, so it was uh, it was lovely. But but you can't you can't deny the strong words of Martin Luther King, huh? Hell nah, (laughs) hell nah. That's beautiful. It makes me very guilty to share our quote. This is actually by a robot, (laughs) and what it it's called Inspirobot, and what it does is it takes some of the wisest words known to man and mashes them together for a perfect motivational and inspirational quote. So, Eric. Would you like to read this week's quote from InspireBot? This week's quote. A coin lying in the street is a smile coming to kill you. <laughs> I, I would say close to Martin Luther King's quote, but maybe, maybe not quite. A, a little off the mark with InspireBot here, but a coin lying on the street is a smile coming to kill you. Matt, what does that say to you? Does that make you feel inspired? <laughs> No, it makes me feel like this robot needs to seek professional help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just... <laughs> All right, I feel like we need to address this. Like, this robot has been very dark as of recently. Is it, it listening been... to a lot of Morrissey? Is that what's going on? <laughs> yeah. I think it's going through the quarantine blues, and it's just trying to get everybody to kill each other. <laughs> I think... Eyeliner and emo phase. We got a robot. We've got to inspire Inspirobot, guys, because the past couple of weeks, oh, it's just been really real. bleak. I think the last quote was about donating organs, not by choice. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Is, it, is Inspirobot made by Cyberdyne Systems? Is that, is that what's going on? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what, Cam, what about you? Does this scream anything inspirational to you? I mean, it all depends on the coin right there's two sides to every <laughs> coin that's true yeah <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah I mean, <laughs> it's all about the coin i mean not every coin wants to kill you but that one that's smiling it's it's, it's a smile <laughs> that coin is a i don't know man you're doing like that, a smile yeah. that wants yeah. to kill you you're doing amazing sweetie this is great um <laughs> eric what about you does anything pop out on this quote to you uh, more on a literal sense, like a coin lying in the street. It, it's almost like a risk versus reward scenario. Like, ha, like what coin could be valuable enough to go wandering into the street to go pick it up, where you could just get hit by a car? That's true. Yeah, I can't remember what. Like, if you guys see money in the street, what's the minimum that it will take for you to actually go and pick up? Because for me, change is out. It's a dollar bill or. <laughs> Does that change? There's that, uh, yeah, there's that coin shortage. Now I'll pick a fucking penny up. I don't care. 
<laughs> a coin shortage? Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. Like a bunch of businesses are running out of coins and telling you to round up uh, to the next dollar and donate it and things like that. What? Like, uh, oh, yeah. Okay. They're well. They're they're pulling. This is not to take it off another direction, but they're the base. The, the mints aren't printing money, I guess. They're taking things out of circulation because they're so old and coated with a bunch of cocaine from the 80s, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Um, so they haven't gotten around to reprinting the cash to put it back in circulation. So they're running out of cash and a bunch of survivalist people are like, I can't live without my cash. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a penny shortage. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh, well, it was because like, the apocalypse would happen and then currency would still be worth something. I, I guess my, my, <laughs> wife, my brother-in-law and my wife's brother uh, worked at a warehouse that they did welding and he had a bunch of copper that he was welding and he got to keep all the scraps. Ooh. So he kept all the scraps, melted them down one day at the factory and poured his own copper coins and it still has. What? Yeah. So for some reason, just, like, just in, just in case we currency, go back to huh? 1600s, you know, <laughs> right. Then, Oh my god! That's, usually, that's like cool. usually, you coins. go silver at least, gold if you're really feeling fancy. Yeah, that's I don't think there's much extra silver and gold lying around that people there's are just a ton letting of silver. you keep for scrap. Oh, for scrap! <laughs> yeah, scrap gold and silver. Find oh. find some of those sterling silver. You know, go go to a, an estate sale and get some silver, silver actual silverware melt that shit down yeah i'll i'll still leave a penny in the street but if i see something like a dime if it if it looks a little more shiny to me i'll probably pick it up like a dime or a nickel I think dimes and quarters that are pre-1964 are a lot more silver than modern ones as well so save those good to know did you guys collect the quarters where they did a the state on the back the state (laughs) I've yeah. got somewhere I've got squirreled away a little uh, cardboard. It's like a map of the whole 50 states and you shove the quarter what? right into each one. Dude. I, yeah. I had I them was, all. I was, I didn't have them all. I was trying to collect, but then that was my money for Mountain Dew. So I really wanted it in eighth grade. And so that went North Carolina, Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. What was the first state that you would get rid of? Dude, like, fucking well, there goes Maryland, Rhode Island. I don't give a shit about those. But, well they uh, went in order too and arizona's the 48th state and i felt like i was waiting forever to see what the hell the seriously. design was going to be what was it i don't think i even saw it now i'm sure there's the like a cactus, cactus. Why the fucking cardinals losing <laughs> should we do the grand canyon the the, yeah. cactus? or should we do the shitty football team let's go with shitty football team uh, or just Pat Tillman with that that iconic towel <laughs> running down the field, <laughs> just on the back. That would be dope, actually. Oh God! Well, well, what's yeah, the cost? There's about one. seventeen Tillmans, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Well, I feel like we're nice and inspired from that Inspirebot quote, so we can move on into the questions. Shit. So we've got this question from reddit it was found by our fan lucia thank you lucia lucia i'm not sure how to pronounce it it says my barber lied and told me he stopped cutting hair yet i just found out he's still in business do i have a case how do i make him cut my hair i don't trust anyone else to do it sincerely trim jim wants a cut i feel like this person has been in a long-term abusive relationship that's that's what i'm with their barber (laughs) (laughs) Like what they do to make their barber ghost them. I know. Yeah, real. that's a good point. That's a what good. What could point. you have done? That's I don't, I don't know. You drink the drink ones. the barbicide. <laughs> I think you would ghost yourself because you might die from that. So <laughs> I, I, maybe maybe if you talk too much. No, because bar- my barber he likes to talk a lot. So if I let in too much, kind of part of the job, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, do you guys funny. engage or you just sit there? I, I'm more like, I'm worried if I'm talking, I'm going to get like a 
jagged haircut because you're moving around and your jaws moving, <laughs> your head's moving. I yeah. try to sit as still as possible. Yeah, my first mistake was being a head nodder. So I'd be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then... <laughs> <laughs> my ear! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, after the right ear was gone. Um, I don't know, man. Just get a new barber. I feel like... I don't want to denigrate the profession of barbers, but I feel like your hair is not that special. Maybe you. Yeah, going to you, question asker. Your hair is not that special, and it can be cut by other barbers. So find a new one. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. There's plenty of fish in the sea that can cut your hair. Exactly. Plenty of barber fish. Matt, what are you thinking about this? Uh, I'm thinking about the fact that I, I can't think of any other thing in your body that's as polyamorous as your hair. Like you can get it cut by like 5,000 different people in your lifetimes <laughs> and you just have this trust between the two of you that, you know, you'll talk to each other about it and work it, you know, you, especially right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I do want to talk about that for a second because I, have you ever felt a little tingle in your spine from the way your barber touches your, the back of your neck? Uh, no, because I don't get my hair cut by Catholic priests. So. <laughs> you might have a case, Stefan. That, that, yeah, it's a little more than a tingle. A little more than a tingle. But you and thirty thousand young men may have a case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, get in line. <laughs> get in line. Uh, but I, but I feel like they're they're very. Depending on the barber, sometimes they go and then they they grab the hair and and they do it in in such a nice and gentle way that it does it is relaxing in a way. Maybe cutting hair is a very intimate. It's very very intimate like thing. Especially they're they're right up there, you know. So they got scissors right by your eye, and you're like, it gives, Don't yeah, cut me. It gives you a little bit of a thrill. You're at the edge of your seat. <laughs> You get, like if you're getting ghosted by your barber, maybe there's just something that you're not, you know, understanding. And it's just time to move on. Time to see other hair trimmers. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a barber go, oops? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. Uh, when I, I, I had it at a mohawk for about two and a half years. And Sick. I'd go to the same lady like, like this person to get it done because she did the first one. And I just felt like I can't go to anyone else now. She knows my hair like yeah <laughs> your neighborhood you know how to drive through your neighborhood you don't go another way because why the fuck would you do that and i show up and she had her sister there cutting hair because they were she was too busy and i was like all right i guess your blood this will work she was using that like balding <laughs> razor the electric one that they go over your head with you know and she goes oops i was like what do you mean oops she's like oh i, I just cut you I was like, what do you mean you just cut me? What the hell's wrong with you? You're a barber. Oh my shit. God. Holy shit. Did you tip her? I, I, I tipped the I tipped the establishment more than I tipped ah, her because okay. I, respect, I respect the lady that, that was previously that's, chopping my hair. That that's fair. It is it is a good point. I know that I previously said that your hair is not that special, but to a to a point, the way that you want your hair cut is special and unique. So the barbers kind of know your hair and <laughs> so you need to find a way to make peace with your barber immediately. Roses, yeah. maybe a bar. What do barbers like as gifts? Maybe chocolates, extra pair of scissors, um, barbicide, barbicide with, with wine. Barbicide. Yeah. Barbicide. Spray bottles. They can always use more spray bottles. Oh, a spray bottle with rose petals. I think that would be kind of nice. Yeah. No, that's romantic. Don't you don't want this is strictly platonic, but God, you want God damn it, you're right. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's but, too far. All right. But anyway, make peace with your barber, win them back, find the a way to get them to cut your hair again. Good. It's important. All right, perfect. We're gonna move on to the next segment, and this is celeb advice. This is where we read a trustworthy news article and okay. we give advice to a celebrity. So this juicy gossip comes from Talk Sport News, and the headline is Mike Tyson to fight a great white shark as part of Shark Week. Yeah. All right. I can't <laughs> wait to dig into this article. But before we do, Matt, wanted to ask you, do you have any celebrity impressions that you would like to regale us with? Um, I can do a pretty good Chewbacca. No That's about way. it. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's about it. That is pretty amazing. <laughs> I Hank Hill, but I feel like a lot of white dudes can do Hank Hill, you know, because he's just like the basic white guy. Beavis and Nuthead. <laughs> the damn boy's been whacking off in my tool shed. <laughs> that is a pretty good Hank Hill. Yeah. All no, right. that's actually uh, Mr. Anderson from Beavis and Butthead. Oh, there, there we go. Same, well, vo- actually, same, vo- same voice. <laughs> same I just got guy. mansplained. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, Eric, can, can you do any new impressions since an hour ago? Uh well, since I'll be reading this, let's let's try a Mike Tyson one. I I I did a terrible one on a previous episode, and and here's a different, probably equally as terrible, oh. but we'll give it a shot. Uh, one of my favorite Tyson quotes, uh, which we've probably probably all heard before, though, is uh, every everyone had the plan till they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> That's yeah, uh, still bad. <laughs> confirmed <laughs> all right i ate the same person when i bit that guy's ear off <laughs> all right cam do you have any any um sort right. impressions you can do i want to try mike tyson if that's okay with everybody please please yeah yeah mike tyson i'm gonna fight this sark i'm gonna grab all my pigeons <laughs> I have all my pet pigeons, and between me and all the pigeons, we're gonna beat this great white sock. I like. I'm gonna, this. Eat, his, I'm gonna eat his children. <laughs> I think it's the melanin that makes his impression much more higher quality. <laughs> yeah. um, since we're having it's a go, really Matt, do you want to try a Mike Tyson, or do you want to? Absolutely not. <laughs> Smart decision. This Smart. is all being recorded. I don't know if you knew that. Smart choice. Oh, I can see it. So it's recording. I can see that. <laughs> all right. Uh, this is from Talk Sport News. Mike Dyson divide a great white shark as part of Shark Week. On Wednesday, the Discovery Channel confirmed that this year's Shark Week will feature a main event with Mike Tyson versus a great white shark. The 54-year-old will compete against the Apex Predator as part of Tyson versus Jaws, Rumble on the Reef. Tyson will fight the shark on August 9th as part of scientific research and is promised someone's going to get bit. (laughs) With famed ring announcer Michael Buffer calling the shots, these two heavyweights will square off underwater where Mike Tyson will try to score a TKO over the massive shark all in the name of research. Tyson said <laughs> Tyson said that he took this challenge to overcome his fears of making a comeback. I equate this with overcoming my fear of getting back into the ring at 54 years old. I learned from this experience at Shark Week that whatever intimidates me, I'm still able to step up to the challenge of overcoming anything that would prevent me from accomplishing my wife's mission of reaching the highest potential in life <laughs> and bringing me closer to God. Who do you have in Mike versus the shark? The shark. What the fuck? <laughs> bringing me closer to God? What the fuck does that have to do with this? Was he praying one day? He's like, how can I get closer to God? And then God was like, you got to fight a shark, Mike. Mike. Shark. This isn't like an article from a few years ago. This is new. This is this this year's Shark Week. What? Well, of course. This is this is Mike's next fight, dog. <laughs> I mean, this makes total sense because he's a huge pothead now. Like you have yeah. to be high to be like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight a shark. He was just smoking. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you know what? I'm gonna fight I like a how they say it's scientific research. Like, what are what are what are you gonna like? I'd like to see the peer-reviewed paper that comes out of <laughs> throwing Mike Tyson into the ocean. <laughs> I, I really I don't th- know how that's. Oh yeah, no, yeah. It's just I thought. This or do was, you I think, think just to see if Mike Tyson can fight underwater? Really? <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't say underwater, will it? Oh, it does. Okay, I was hoping maybe he'd fight him on land first. I think this is a well, round ploy. one on land, round two in the water. I think this is a ploy to kill Mike Tyson. I don't know who designed <laughs> this, but someone's like, I've had enough of this guy. We're done. Mike, do you want to fight yeah. a shark? 
And he's like, I think the only way Mike Tyson wins against, against the shark is if somehow they remove all of Mike Tyson's teeth and use them as bullets to shoot the shark. That's it. <laughs> That's very yeah. true. That's he's very... going to be in trouble once he realizes sharks don't have ears. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Bite the dorsal fin. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you think that there's an appetite for this from the United States for Mike Tyson to just start his own show where he just fights animals? He's like Steve <laughs> Irwin. <laughs> Except, oh, dude. except he just beats Mike, the shit out of animals i mean that's horrible yeah like Sorry. mike mike tyson versus and then it's just different animals it's a like water buffalo animal planet it's like yeah. yeah it's like man versus wild 2.0 where he actually just fights the wild or he yeah. fights the animals yeah well, now he i don't think if we're talking realistically mike tyson versus a shark especially underwater They've got home team advantage, and a shark is like four million pounds. So I think Mike not, <laughs> might not win that. But bro, have you seen Tyson fight? <laughs> bro, yeah. under underwater. Oh god! All right, all right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, no, not underwater, but still, like even if you took half of his power, which I'm assuming water does to your force, and he, <laughs> I'm sure he could still beat a shark. <laughs> I'm sure, even if the water cut Tyson power in half. He can still beat a shark. For the, all of our listeners, Cam's doing this very interesting motion with his hands where it looks like a fisting motion or a baby breaching a mother's vagina. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but I feel like it's how he fights the shark. Under he goes inside <laughs> the shark, goes for the gills. Matt, what are your thoughts on this? I'm curious on your take. Um I want to know who's paying Mike Tyson to do this. Like, is it George Soros? Is, did George Soros put up the cash? Is it the Cook Brothers? Who is it? The Illuminati? Uh, somebody is putting up money. George Bush is doing a painting sale to fund this on the UFC Fight Island. That's what's yeah, going on. Fight Island. <laughs> Mike versus the shark. It's perfect. It'll be right on the beach. Oh, yeah. It's the shortest fight in UFC history. Mike jumps in the water and immediately <laughs> gets eviscerated like he's in a ninja blender. That's what's going to happen. It's uh, all so, over. so you're saying you have the shark. If, if you were to place a bet, you would place a bet on the shark. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely 100%. You think they're taking right. bets on this? What's the betting I, line? I feel like you guys are underestimating Tyson. It's probably the betting be... line on that is probably like minus three hundred thousand. Shark. <laughs> yeah, Cam, put your money where your mouth is. Uh, yeah. All what right. a, what right. a story to tell your grandkids though. If that actually he he's the underdog here and he made it through. If you're like, yeah, I once pay per view watched Mike Tyson fight a shark and win. I mean, I thought you were saying the story would be for Tyson's grandkids about I fought a shark, but you're saying, oh, no, the story just, is Cam just, just saying I watched it. Just, just watching it. Because I mean, <laughs> fuck, what are yeah. we watching now? Boring fights, human versus human. I mean, Every, nobody believed me. Nobody believed that I that Tyson would win. But he, he pulled through in the end. All right. All <laughs> How right. would a shark consent to a fight? Bro. Just uh, challenge it out in open ocean, and if it if it happens, it happens. It's got to be. Probably did they for the money? I don't think they said the size of the shark. Did they? They said two it's a heavyweights. Great white shark. Oh fuck! Yeah, but they didn't say how big of one. It could just be a baby. <laughs> he just like gets it in a headlock. Do you think they detoothed it? <laughs> that he that... runs it over on the way to the studio. Like it falls out of the back of the aquarium truck, and he just runs it over by accident in his Hummer. <laughs> What was that? <laughs> well, there goes that idea. <laughs> oh, man. I just imagine I got brought back to Free Willy where he's on the back of the truck in the trailer and they're just trying to pour buckets of water on him. Oh, poor shark. But. It, okay. So if At least Free Willy is a mammal. If, the, the shark is in the corner with his fins up on the on the things, and they're like spraying water all over him to try and keep him like vitalized. He's got he's got little he's boxing like, gloves. Little we got to keep the shark alive so Mike Tyson can punch it in the face. Mike Tyson's <laughs> spitting water out of his tooth gap on the shark to keep it alive. Uh, uh, I'm doing my part. I thought the whole point of Shark Week was to give um, people more information about sharks and the comforts the conservation of sharks 
So not this, anymore. Nope. They're like, not, fuck not it. Not since that Stingray took out Steve Irwin. It's been total war ever since. <laughs> it's all in the interest of scientific research, you guys. Let's not research. That's true. All right. Any advice for Tyson here? Because three out of four of us think that Tyson's going to get eviscerated by a shark in five <laughs> seconds. Punch it in the Absolutely. gills. Punch it in the Punch gills. Punch it in the gills. In the I eyes. Mean, you guys never heard that? That's what I always heard is like, if you feel like a shark's attacking you, you're supposed to just... If you feel, it just feels like a shark's attacking me. Yeah, like you get the sense, like you know, like you know, like if you're just chilling in the ocean, you get the sense that a shark's about to attack you, and then you just punch it in the nose. So imagine what Mike Tyson could do, punching a shark in the nose. I, I think what uh, my advice for Mike Tyson would be to watch the South Park episode uh, where where Stan's dad gets turned into a dolphin. <laughs> And he has the same surgery performed on him, and he gets out in the ocean early and recruits an army of dolphin fighters to take down the one shark. That's the only way. That or it's a baby shark, and he runs it over on the way to the studio. That's it. That's Yeah, yeah. so learn dolphin. If there's a Rosetta Stone for that, yeah. um, take yeah, that course. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Exactly. Uh, so Mike Tyson dolphin. is just an enemy of dolphins, too, in this scenario? It's like, you know what? Dolphins, we're going to make peace and we're going to get together to capture the big enemy, the shark. I like it. That's good. I like that advice. Any final thoughts before we move on? It's probably going to be some bullshit. It's it's going to be a bait and switch because a couple years ago they had Michael Phelps race a great white shark on Shark Week. Yeah. And it ended up being some CGI BS. Mm. Mm. Which makes sense. Yeah. Those sharks. Always up to something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the Blame sharks. The, shark. the sharks that <laughs> the schemed shark. the whole thing. They're like, whoa, I don't want to fight. Let's just CGI this thing. Oh, this is just this is this big big shark corporation trying to bring all the attention to the sharks. <laughs> Using shark. Mike Tyson. Yeah, sharks on easy street. Oh god. All right, moving on. We're gonna go to our last question. This is from Reddit's by our fan, Sean. Thank you, Sean. I live in a rural community and I plant a lot of flowers on my property. If, I, if my neighbor's bees routinely steal pollen from my flowers and make honey that my neighbor profits from selling, can I sue them for a portion of that profit? Sincerely, mind your own beeswax and pollen. So guys, we've got a classic case of bees <laughs> stealing pollen from the neighbor's. Um, have you guys, has anybody ever had this happen to them? No. Okay. Surprising. Good. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're really able to keep your bees in your yard. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's you, like, if you do, if you do see bees in your yard, you might be entitled to some sort of like compensation. Like where's, where's all that wax going? <laughs> How do you quantify like a shitty that? lawyer commercial waiting to happen? <laughs> that's what, that's what I was. Saying. Have you been stung by bees? <laughs> Give me a call. I'll give them the hammer, and you're entitled to full compensation. You might. They might have. You might be entitled to full compensation. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Yeah. You just assume that it's bees doing bee things, but they might be making a profit. I'm sorry. Bee. That might be the greatest thing I've heard on this podcast. <laughs> it, it just might be bees doing bees things. Um, but yeah, you you might be right. Maybe they're in cahoots with the neighbor. Um. I think that I actually bought this at Costco. They have a bee hive nest. I don't know what to call it. Bee domicile where you can actually beehive for not honeybees, but for the bees that actually. What is it called? Thank you. That's the worker bees or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Worker bees. And so maybe you could get that and then you could invite them. I think you you get more bees with honey than vinegar, so just buy that, and then you can have them be at your house. So then they'll pollinate your shit. And no. then I like that you used a quote from like my grandma's cookie jar in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> and you're so using you're honey to... to attract bees. I don't know. I mean, if I think you're, you attract you're more flies cook. with honey. Yeah. Mean, the actual <laughs> that was the juxtaposition, but I tried to make it fit in for the bees for the, yeah, well, whatever. Anyway. All right. Let's see what you guys got. What advice do you guys have? <laughs> <laughs> the vinegar's coming out. 
Um, I think Cam gave his advice. Bees are doing bee things. Uh, Matt, what, what about, what about I, you? I think, uh, I think this person should, uh, mine his beesness. Um, ah, there we go. I had to get at least one <laughs> terrible pun in here before Ew. we got out of here. Uh, but no, I like first off home, uh, beekeeping. Um, I get it. You want to save the planet, but I don't want to be living next door to some amateur biologist or whatever you want to call them. I, you know, I think it's an apist. Apiest. <laughs> okay. I was Thank God that doesn't have an R in front of that word. Rapiest. That'd be a I'm very a rapiest. Yeah. I, I'm... <laughs> the rapiest of all. I make honey. I'm the nation's top <laughs> top rapiest. Um but anyway, you were saying Matt. Didn't mean to interrupt. No, I just I don't want to live next to an amateur apiest or a beekeeper. <laughs> I don't want that shit flowing over in my house, man. Anybody that's ever had uh, or lived in a house that's had a bee infestation knows what I'm talking yeah. about. Like, I love bees, but stay the fuck out of my house. Right, right. You know? Right. Maybe it's yeah, so like my relatives. Imagine, imagine if your neighbor is purposefully trying to attract bees' attention, but he doesn't really know what he's doing. Like, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds you, awful. You, you that get a bunch like of a killer bees. <laughs> yeah, like, you get a, dude, you get a bringing all these bees around here. Swarm of killer bees after you. <laughs> It's like, okay, I set up a beehive, but all I got was wasps. (laughs) (laughs) And they don't make honey. I cracked that thing open. (laughs) Fuck. By the way. Maybe maybe he should get some of those murder hornets. I was about to ask about those those. murder hornets. They'll kill the bees. Put out a hit. Put out a hit on your neighbor's bees. With murder hornets. About their entire family. With your murder hornets? Yeah. Oh no, guys, because then we're killing the bees. I yeah, feel like we don't the bees... save the bees. Yeah, save the bees. Make your own. All right, I like it. I like Stefan's idea. Cuck the bees. Take your neighbor's bees. Did you say fuck the bees? Cuck. Oh, cuck the bee. Okay, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're yeah. saying like build them, build them a better beehive so that they'll leave, and then they'll <laughs> make the honey over at your place. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Like, yo, my place is way better. Why don't you just start your hive over here? You'll end up with two queens in a war. Oh, you'll have a bee war. You don't want that on your turf. But You'll, yeah. go, you'll be walking out to your car and then just... You don't want to get caught Then you'll crossfire. be just like uh, Macaulay Culkin in that one movie. What is it? Home Alone. You'll have... You'll have... <laughs> <laughs> you'll have... You'll have World War B right outside your front door. Oh... All right. how, how many bee puns can we get out of this um and apiary matt matt just shakes his head on me for all your podcast listeners he just shook his head with if i would have known cam head. sneed was involved in this podcast i would have never agreed to do it so <laughs> just set you up. you're not the first we to tell us up. that yeah strangely enough hmm but by yeah. the way, this person is saying, let's go back to the question that the, the bees are stealing pollen. I feel like you need the pollen to be able to pollinate and make other flowers. So they're helping you. Yeah. They're doing you a favor and you're you're complaining about that. So I think you need to really do an internet search and figure out what the bees are doing for you and your community and just let them do their thing. They give you the gift of flowers and don't say shit. Just back right. off. Yep. That wasn't very funny advice, but I think for real, you should just shut the fuck up and stop asking yes. Reddit. Like, what the fuck? Why are you <laughs> going to Reddit for this? What are people going to tell you? Here at the Comedy Advice Podcast, we are pro-B. 100%. Pro- Obviously. Yeah, I didn't realize how pro-B I was. Fuck sharks, <laughs> but bees? We need bees. We need bees, definitely. We need bees. That I would pay to see that mike tyson against a swarm of bees i think <laughs> float like a butterfly sting like a shark <laughs> something like that uh no. <laughs> all right maybe guys. uh maybe he could dye the pollen because i remember a story about a beekeeper who found a bunch of like bright blue and bright red honey when he cracked open one of his hives. And it turns out the bees were breaking into a like nearby candy manufacturer and they got into a bunch of like food dye that was mixed with sugar and the the bees were bringing it back. And so this guy had like M&M flavored honey. 
<laughs> That's crazy. That's so cool. That is pretty cool. That, so if he sure. died, if he died as pollen, he he could then say, "Hey, I can prove that that honey came from my side of the yard," and ask for some honey, and I ask think. for some profit. Yeah, I like that. I like that. All right. Solid advice, guys. I think we've scraped all the honey out of that pot. Is there anything else that we want to <laughs> say before we close it up here? This has been fantastic. Thank you guys for having me on, man. Oh, this has been awesome. Thank you. I don't know if that was sarcastic or not, but Matt, you've been... <laughs> no. and you, you've been... It's hard to tell with me. It's my, my, my art. <laughs> That's just, just Matt being Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Matt. Just Matt being Matt. You've been absolutely incredible. Awesome guest. What do you have to plug? Where can people find you? Say it all. What's the buzz? Um, yeah, my last name is hard to spell. So um, find me on Twitter, uh, on Matalon. That's O-N, Matt, A-L-O-N. Uh, I mostly post political and shit post shits there. So if, if you're a Republican, you probably won't like my Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, uh, you can find uh, Hot Phoenix Nights on Instagram and on Facebook. Go check us out. Uh, give us a follow. We've got a bunch of great videos coming out soon. Um, and as soon as Crescent Ballroom um, is back open and back to business, I'll probably be, uh, be hosting Hot Mike there uh, as well. So that's it. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Man. Cool. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And we'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye. Later. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo.